Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you first for having me. Um, my name is Dana Baloch, and I'm running for Raleigh City Council at large. I'm a Raleigh native, really have lived here my whole life. Actually, when we moved, we moved from the neighborhood across the street from us in North Raleigh. So literally have never moved anywhere. Um, can you hear fine? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just making sure. Um, so I grew up off Capitol Boulevard, which means that I'm very used to traffic or spend most of my childhood in traffic. Um, and I just, I went to Wakefield High School and then I attended this wonderful university called NC State. Um, I definitely enjoyed my time here. I'm a huge, overly obsessed basketball fan. Um, I've I saw that on your website. <laughs> yes. I have cried at basketball games. I have gotten upset. People know as soon as we lose to just walk away from me because I'm just, I have a little bit more than passion. And you, you grew up here. I, mm -hmm. I migrated here from Chicago mm -hmm. in 2011. So you've seen the growth firsthand. Yes. Um, is it, I mean, is it almost, it's, it's almost a, a doubling of population in the last 25 some odd years. Yeah. So, so the transportation system is, is really a key to, to handling the future anticipated growth, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And then especially with our traffic congestion, I mean, if you don't have a proper public transportation system, first off, you're, the roads are just going to keep getting worse. But in the other aspect of that is you don't have mobility. Um, communities that you know may not have cars or don't have proper transportation aren't able to be mobile throughout the city. And that plays into why we as a city have such a low upward mobility rating. Is there uh, something that you could bring to the table as a voice on the city council to um, to help with that uh, that divide? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Raleigh, I mean, like we know, is a great city and has is on the top of many lists. But we're out of the top hundred counties in America, the top hundred populous counties in America. Wake County is eighty eighth in upward mobility, which means that if you're a kid, a poor kid in D.C. Oakland, California, or Queens, New York, you have a better chance of getting out of poverty than a kid in Raleigh. So the chances of getting out of poverty in Raleigh are one of the worst in the country. Public transportation is something that can definitely help with that. What are some of the other what are, What are some of the other things we can do as a city, and you can do as a potential city council member um, to help with upward mobility? Just just here locally. Yeah, I mean, I think like we were talking about public transportation, like one thing, of course, you can do bus rapid transit and increase the amount of buses and, you know, really analyze how their best routes. But we also, as a city with so many universities and places of research, we can think of different ways or more innovative ways. Like I see no reason to why we as a city couldn't look into rail or underground rail or a lot of times we're looking into like driverless cars, which could um definitely help with transportation but then there's that whole aspect of not you know does that help really help with the economic situation the rail and the underground rail sound awesome mm -hmm. but with the national political climate uh it's pretty much it's not feasible to to get those types of projects done you'd need money federal state and local money. There's mm -hmm. no way the city could could oh, yeah. roll those out by themselves, even with like a private sector partnership mm -hmm. type of situation. So do, do you foresee a vision 
down the road where things like that are possible? I think so. I think it it all comes down to how hard we want to work to get it. Like if we're really invested in a project, for example, like Dick's Park, we were really invested in it and we got it regardless of how much it cost us. Um, I think we just got a $50 million grant for Chavis Park. Um, it's It comes down to us reaching out and getting those sources, but also corporate partnerships, I think, are vital and something that we definitely need to use more because a lot of these companies or corporations or developers are coming into the city and, you know, making a lot of money off the city, but it's not being invested back in the community. I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of, uh, like downtown, there's a lot of tech companies. And the housing for the employees there, they, they employ a lot of people, right? So the housing, um, it seems to be uh, the developers are gentrifying neighborhoods to put up uh, luxury mid-rise apartments, not condos, apartments. So these because they're taking advantage of the transient workforce mm-hmm. that rolls in and rolls out of those tech companies because just because those those people get a job there doesn't mean they're going to stay in Raleigh for mm-hmm. the near future. So they end up spending, you know, $2 a square foot, $1,600 for, for uh, one and a half, uh, a two-bedroom, one and a half bath apartment mm-hmm. that is way over my budget. Mm-hmm. I'd love to live there. Yeah. But, nice. But why not build up instead of out? Build higher Mm -hmm. and more dense Mm -hmm. so you're able to have a a diverse building with retail on the bottom, affordable housing units, and then expensive lofts or whatever at the top. I mean, I, 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 I see this growth and I'm like, how come there's not a 40, 50 story building down here yet? Yeah. Is that is that wild or? No, I was like, you should run for city council. That's a great idea. No, I'm not <laughs> interested in that. That's your job. No, I mean, why not? I, like there's many um, cities around that have like mixed use complexes. and That's exactly what they've done. I mean, these are the ideas we need with city councils, more innovative ideas to what we can do. Because right now we're still just taking like a just a safe path and not really taking any risks and how we're going to, which not affordable housing is a national epidemic. Like that's around the country. And if we're not going to take any type of different way or different approach, we're just going to get stuck like everyone else. So you're, you're in the mental health business. Yes, sir. I work for a division of mental health. And what, what do you, what do you do there? So I work in quality management or policy audit, basically oversee um, all the state mental health facilities or the, do you want to, do you want to pause to, oh, no, okay, to get no, more water? No, okay. okay. No. The local men, um, management entities, but um, I will take a lot of processes that the state has um, and enhance them or make them better. Um, and Do you it, work on the policy side yeah, and, policy and quality and, control? Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, and you're studying, you're getting an advanced degree concurrently? Yes. I'm getting a master in public administration from the other school, Chapel Hill, but it was definitely a decision on whether I'd go to this school. Well- which is sad, but no, it's a it's a good, very good program. Is there anything we we can do as a city to increase access to psychiatric beds? Yes, um, the you- mental health system is broken. I mean, it is beyond. I'd say, just like it's one of our biggest problems, and I think we spend the least money on it. Like, if you fix mental health, you you fix so many problems with people. Um, we had Dorothea Dix closed, but didn't really have anything that replaced that. 
um, as well as right now we're dealing with an opiate crisis. And I don't believe the city is doing enough to really help the state and the federal government um, fix that crisis. Like in downtown, we mainly have, you know, restaurants and bars. It wouldn't hurt to open like a mental health facility or some type of other options in downtown, especially since a lot of people who are part of the opiate crisis are located downtown. And also the biggest mental health facility right now is the prison. Jails. So, yeah, jails. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of tells you how that system is very broken. Is that uh, the, with the public administration that you're studying right now, do you have a particular field of interest that, that you'll apply that, that, uh, that craft to? Yeah, actually, I'm, my, uh, I guess, specific interest is city and local ma management. So um, I'm, that's what I'm getting, I guess, my minor in is city and county management. Sorry, local government. So if you don't win this race in a few years, you could be the city manager then, right? Actually, that was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> but then it switched to city council just kind of randomly. So we'll kind of see. I'm just kind of, I'm taking a lot of different risks right now. Should you be elected to the city council, how would you go about appropriating almost the $1 billion budget that has just passed? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think sometimes people forget how big of a city Raleigh is. Right? right. Someone has said it's just a really big, small hometown. Like people, like it is. I mean, but that's actually really cool about Raleigh is that is so big. And sometimes you can still get that like small town feeling. But in terms of the budget, it, it really does come down to what, for me, I would see what the community needs. Um, and I actually, there was this project we did where we had to take um, the budget. We had to pick a city's budget, and I chose Raleigh's. Thank God. Now, um, but we basically decided where to move, where we could move around funds, and um, I guess fund programs that we needed at that point. So, like you know, there was the idea of we needed more youth programs, and so taking or moving around a little bit of money, but not even like taking it away, but there's things we can do in certain areas to, you know, lessen financial stuff. So like we might invest, for example, in um, like in solid waste services or even in our vehicles that public utilities or our police officers use and convert, you know, to diesel gas or different types of gas that are cheaper. And in the long run, that's going to save us money after a couple of years. So those are things like looking or not now, but for the future that if you invest now, this is going to save us this much. And then we can use this money to pay for more affordable housing or youth programs. And so priority of mine would be community needs and community needs right now. The highest is affordable housing and public transportation. Are those your two top issues? Yes. Um, well, mine, mine is really kind of broken up into three um, different visions. So okay. like having a city for everyone, a safe city and a healthy city. Uh -huh. And that in, for city for everyone, that really includes affordable housing, public transportation, and addressing this idea of upward mobility and really trying to make sure that people have the same chance to get into the middle class. Um, and then safe city discussing, you know, issues, discrepancies that we still as a city might have stayed out of national headlines with, you know, our law enforcement, but our statistics are still very similar to national headlines. We still have a very um, large discrepancy in people who are arrested, racial discrepancies in um, arrest and use of force. Um, if you're African-American, you're three times more likely to be searched when you're stopped um, by a police officer in Raleigh. Um, and then also Safe City, really discussing the idea, like right now, specific, specifically in this political climate, there are communities that aren't, just don't feel safe. And that includes, you know, immigrants or undocumented immigrants. And 
really like kind of honing on that issue of what we can look at our policies to see how we protect our residents. Well, let's switch or let's let's build upon what, what you were going with with race and mm -hmm. um, let's talk about race and ethnocentrism and um, the fact that you're a Muslim. Mm -hmm. um, have you noticed any any ill treatment directed towards you because of your faith? During the race? Yeah, during the race. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I'm okay. just, I'm, <laughs> we can, I, I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm making assumptions um, in my yeah. head, but I, I want to feed you a question about that. Um, so in person, not really, but on social media, yes. Um, social media, definitely once our post got, started getting more shares, um, we did, I did receive a lot of, uh, hateful kind of ignorant comments. Um, and you know, it is like, it's something I expected. Like I knew from the get-go was like hey once i put myself out there i'm gonna expect some type of hate um and you know getting the usual things like go back to your country are you an american citizen that kind of stuff is you know no i guess normalized at this point um but then there's like a lot of uh like some more deeper stuff that's like you know just you know you don't belong here or like get ready to have your children raped like that's literally a comment that we mm. i got on my yeah. um, post and i was just like okay well this is interesting um but yeah i mean that's it's there that's something that's i guess i kind of expected so as a as a person not as a candidate mm -hmm. uh how are you, are you able to filter out all that and still go on with your day without it without it uh derailing you too much because that's some pretty awful stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it always like affects you because it's like someone hating someone for absolutely no reason, like right. especially because you don't know them. But then it's also, I guess, in a sense, sad because you know I was in fifth grade when nine eleven happened. So since fifth grade, this has been my life. Um, I know how I need to make sure I'm, you know, how I deal with comments that I've received, especially like in person. Um, and it's kind of, I guess, become normalized. Like, it's now something we laugh about, which we shouldn't because it's not funny at all. But that's really the only way to, I guess, kind of get through it because now it's at a point where we really have to keep having, like, I keep having conversations, keep, you know, really trying to defend my religion. Um, but I know that especially now it's extremely important. And that's honestly a major reason of why I'm running is to show, like, you know, me that I I am Raleigh. I was born and raised here. I don't call any other place home. And that, you know, I want to be part of the city to make it better, um, not to, you know, have my own agenda or anything, but me as a Muslim, but also as a Raleigh resident, want to make this city better. I took a gender and politics class over the summer. Mm -hmm. And um, my, I had two big uh, takeaways from that. Uh, the first something I kind of already knew but was enforced throughout the entire class is that women make up approximately 20% of elected officials. Also, women are less likely to run for office. Qualified women, amazing women, they just are, are way less likely. What, what did it take for you to decide to go into this um, just based on your, your, your gender alone? Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely understand that I've been like since a young age in various leadership positions um, and it's always kind of been that same struggle of, OK, like you're 
a woman in a leadership position, you're working with people who if you're too mean, you'll get called certain words. If you're too nice, you'll be called weak. So it's finding that balance between, you know, something that, you know, men don't really, I guess, have to deal with it. You know, it's okay if you're straightforward and, you know, you're the boss, people listen to you. But as a woman, I'd say anytime that I tried or tried to use that type of leadership skill, it it doesn't work because people end up getting mad or sensitive. So it really comes down to balance of being having people respect you. Um, and that comes from, for me, because my background is in psychology is building relationships. And then from that, being able to properly lead. So it really does come down to making sure you're making a lot more effort into making the proper relations. But in the long run, it helps so much more and gets so much more done. But for me, taking it, taking this step to lead, to run for city council was, um, it, I guess I didn't really think about, I just knew I would be in the like forefront. I'd be out there, you know, I'm all like, you're completely out in the open um, both as a woman, as a Muslim, as a young person. Um, and sometimes I think the fact that I'm a woman kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that I'm a Muslim. Um, so it's, it's hard to kind of talk <clears throat> about that without talking about me like wearing a scarf. Um, but I think it's just so important because there's so many women amazing women that can lead and then don't run due to whatever reason. Um, and I think that society kind of makes it tough because as a woman, you're subject to like, you know, don't be too feminine. Don't be too manly. Like there's so many different variances. And like for me, at first I was trying to fit those variances. And then I was like, I'm just going to be myself and go with that. Because other than that, like, you know, I'm okay. I like fashion. I'm going to dress up if I want to. Like, Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's just things like that, like just being able to still be who you are and still be able to be a leader. We had uh, we had Nicole Stewart in here and I asked her what her life was like balancing a, a job, children yeah. and running for mm -hmm. an office. Uh, right. You don't have any children at mm -hmm. this point. OK. Well, I'm oldest of six, so yeah. I'd say I have five kids. So okay, I'm just right. okay. But I, I got gotcha. you. I don't have kids. So. Well, the so let's just you're in your situation. You're gonna, if elected, you'll have to balance uh, a job, school, and city council. Okay, mm -hmm. how are you gonna do that? This has nothing to do with gender or anything. It's just your time. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I'm a person who, for some reason, continues to always take multiple projects on at one time. Like that has been like in college, I did three major organ. I was president of three major organizations at one time. Um, definitely the craziest time of my life. But I'm able to juggle things just because. I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm just a hard worker, um, and I like to get things done, especially if I'm passionate about it. So I'm passionate about being on city council, about my job, and with school. And thankfully, school will be done by next summer. So it, you know, that will be balanced out. But all of them will help each other. Like what I'm learning in school, I can directly apply to my job as well as city council. It would be the most effective in city council. Things I'm learning, experiences in city council or my job, it helps with school so that's that makes it a little easier but honestly when it comes down to it it's giving up 
like my social life <laughs> and sleep. Well, you spent a long time talking about your platform, your background, um, how you're a unique candidate, how you've balanced your life, mm-hmm. um, and how you plan to serve the city of Raleigh in the future. What is your closing argument? Why should why should I vote for you tomorrow? Well, I'm running for Raleigh City Council because Raleigh is my hometown, and I've been proud to call it my hometown, but I want generations to come to be able to call it their hometown. I'm running because I've seen the revitalization that Raleigh's gone through, but I've also seen the amount of people that have been left out of that growth. And for me, just being part of a city that I love and care so much about, I can't sit by when I see people being ignored or not being helped. And I know that both with my background in government as well as my background in community work, I can understand both the needs of government as well as people. And I highly encourage you to vote for me. So vote Beloch um, and really help me raise Raleigh for y'all.